Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's Housing Wire Daily features a crossover episode with Real Trending, a podcast that focuses on interviewing the brightest minds in real estate. In this episode, Tracy Belt, managing editor at Real Trends, a Housing Wire sister company, interviews EXP World Holding CEO Glenn Sanford. In this episode, Sanford addresses his critics about his agent referral program, where he is taking the company next, and growth limiters for the brokerage. This is Tracy Belt, Managing Editor for Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Glenn Sanford, CEO of EXP World Holdings. After starting his real estate career in 2002, Glenn quickly built a team and within four years closed over $60 million in real estate, mostly through online lead generation. In 2008, he founded EXP as a cloud-based brokerage that uses 3D avatar-based online office to collaborate and communicate while abandoning the physical bricks and mortar offices normally associated with real estate brokerage. Between 2016 and 2020, EXP has seen growth of 3,689% based on volume percentage growth in the Real Trends 500. Over a five year period, we think EXP is the fastest growing brokerage grown organically in terms of total size and volume ever in the rankings. So, welcome, Glenn. Hey, thanks, Tracy, for having me. Thanks for joining Real Trending. So I wanted to talk about your incredible growth. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the strategies that you think really led to this growth. Yeah, so uh, we actually founded eXp Realty actually in the fall of 2009, actually October 2009. And and we did it at the, really at the bottom of the housing market. And what we really focused on at that point was one, we couldn't afford offices. And then two, um, if, if we didn't have physical offices, what would be the set of ingredients that agents would need in order to be willing to untether from their, uh, their current real estate brokerage? And of course, we looked at you know, the fastest growing real estate brokerage at that point in time was, uh, was Keller Williams and that brand, of course, taken off uh, through the 90s and then and through the, that period. So we, we looked at you know, what they were doing with profit share. We kind of created a something akin to revenue share, and then the next piece was really, um, you know, how do agents become owners? That was something that eluded me as an agent at Prudential, which and then and then Keller Williams, and uh, I had asked for ownership, uh, being a top producer, and it wasn't offered to me. So I figured, you know, why don't we offer some sort of ownership component? So those have really been the two big strategies. I mean, obviously, you know, being successful as a real estate professional allowed me as as an individual to communicate effectively with top agents and brokers uh, to really talk about the the value prop. But since then, it's really, you know, taken on a life of its own. And uh, really, it's been sort of that combo of, you know, revenue share and and equity and, and a competitive split and cap system. So what do you think is the most unique part of your offering that contributed to growth? Do you feel like it's that revenue share? 
Uh, certainly, that's been the big underlying driver to to the growth. I mean, we've um, you know, I, I'm not sure what, exactly what the number is today, but I, I think we've got you know a dozen or so folks that you know literally have from helping EXP grow. They've grown a passive income stream of close to, if not over, like a million dollars a year. And so, you know, in terms of just the the opportunity to to build a uh, effectively something akin to an ownership interest in a brokerage without the brain damage of actually starting a brokerage, um, you know, that's that's really what the EXP model has has created. Okay, and so obviously um, there are always impediments to growth. Um, so, what do you feel are your the main impediments to your growth as a company? Yeah, um, well, one is just the speed of growth. Um, you know, we almost, um, well, we were definitely skiing over our ski tips, especially 2016, 17, 18. And probably wasn't until like later, mid um, 20, uh, 2019, that we finally got our infrastructure in place, such that we could actually handle the growth. And so that was, that was probably one of our limiters. Um, also, you know, our, another limiter to our growth is, is, is what we refer to as our, you know, we use net promoter score heavily across the, the board and, and we'll, we'll see things when, when our net promoter scores start to drop, um, you know, close to a 60, we definitely feel that we're missing the mark on our agent value proposition. So we go back and retool, uh, and our goal is to always have that if possible above 70, cause that tends to be a nice sweet spot where we're really hitting on all cylinders. But, you know, if we start to miss the mark on what agents are looking for in a brokerage, obviously that's going to be an impediment to growth. Yeah, that's, that's a smart um, kind of thing to look at. And uh, what are you, is like looking forward, where are you seeing the growth opportunities for your company? Well, right now, international is probably our new big focus. Um, you know, we we were fortunate to be able to attract Michael Valdez over um, last year. He's been with us about eleven months now, and and he had had run a large international division for for Realgy, and so he he's been helping us really grow out the international footprint of EXP. I mean, obviously, domestically in the U.S. You know, we've, you know, we've got a, a pretty good percentage of the agent base, something like three to 4% uh, of the agents, which means that one of every 25, 30 agents is actually an EXP agent, which is kind of an incredible number to think about. Um, uh, and, and so internationally, I think that's going to be uh, our big, uh, our gr big growth opportunity. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the international market, well, it took maybe a little bit of a hit during the pandemic. I know in Florida, it really didn't slow down much at all. So, I mean, people are always wanting to get their money somewhere safe, safer than the country that they're in or invest in, in um, a business or, or something else here in the United States. So, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, I wanted to talk to you about kind of your, your business model and where you've feel like your ceiling might be? Uh, do you think it's transferable to other businesses such as mortgage, title, and core services? Yeah, so the the actual um, model that we've approached relative to agent compensation probably doesn't translate that well to these other service models. But I do think that operating uh, as an entirely virtual company, I think 
does transfer um, significantly. So when when we look at, you know, I was just visiting with a, uh, a pretty significant lender uh, earlier this week. And, and so I was in his offices and he said, because of COVID, all the back office processing is being done by people at home, not something that he ever expected. And so he would, he would expected to add some additional floors in the building that he, he had. And now he's considering maybe becoming a more virtual organization as a, as a, as a lender. And I think that, you know, with, you know, I've done personally, two closings, um, two or three closings where I never went to a title and escrow office to actually do the signings. So that's for me personally, you know, buying and selling property. So, you know, the, the, the fact is, is that I think that you're going to be able to virtualize most of these businesses, which does change the economic backdrop of what it costs to actually run these businesses. So I do think that it does, that definitely translates. And where do you see that fitting into your company? Uh, is that a five-year plan, a two-year plan, a, you know, something that you're looking at to implement right away? Yeah. So, you know, as a lot of real estate brokers that have went and tried to do mortgage and title and build those relationships, those aren't the easiest relationships to build and actually get um, consumption from an agent perspective. They've got, you know, they've already got in-market uh, relationships with lenders and, and title and escrow companies. Uh, but we do actually have um, a mortgage um, a JV that we've been working on for a few couple of years. We've got a, a title and escrow JV that we've uh, that's getting some traction in quite a number of states now called Silverline Title and Escrow. So it, it, one, we've got it in place. I think it's iterative uh, until we actually get it right. We, we don't have it near what it needs to be to be truly effective. But I think that, you know, at, now that we're building out a national real estate portal under exprealty.com, we can start to, um, I'll say pre-condition um, or pre-market uh, some of these services through, through the portal. Um, and we're thinking about that, you know, later on this year going into 2022, we think that, you know, we'll be able to start to have, you know, consumers come in pre-approved with a, you know, partnership um, mortgage company or uh, understanding the title and escrow process such that they've already conditioned to maybe use a in-house title and escrow offering. So it's very iterative. We, we definitely haven't figured that out yet, but it's something we think is pretty important for the future. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about the portal. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're as one one brokerage operating in all 50 U.S. states, it gives us certain advantages that um, um, most brokerages don't have because they're they're a franchise. Uh, they don't have you know access to to MLS data in multiple markets at the brokerage level. So for us, we think that we have the opportunity to build uh, a platform that would have you know the types of rich data that you would find on a, a Realtor.com a Redfin uh, and a Zillow and, and because of that nationwide footprint. And so as we think about, you know, what does that look like? You know, we think about some consumer tools. We bought a company a few years ago called Show Me Now, which which is really an Uber style showing service. And so we're thinking about how that can be incorporated into a, uh, a portal. We've got some other, other technologies that were developed actually by the folks at Showcase IDX. We bought them last year. Um, they had developed some technology in previous iterations that we think 
are actually worth bringing back to what we're doing. So that it wasn't really akin to an individual agent's website, which is where they were specializing before, but for a national real estate brokerage portal, um, there's some cool things that should make the, the site somewhat sticky to consumers. Okay. And so knowing that, who do you really look at as your, your big um, competition? Yeah, well, I think for us, uh, our big competition would really be to continue to make sure that we understand what Zillow is doing, quite mm -hmm. frankly. I mean, it, you know, I'm looking at my uh, my news feed and, um, and I see ads where they've got, you know, Zillow real estate signs in front of homes. And as much as Zillow says they're not going to become a brokerage, they certainly are creating a lot of marketing that makes them look like a brokerage. So, you know, I think that, you know, between what they're doing in the iBuyer side, and of course, we've got a, uh, a, an offering called Express Offers, which is uh, our version of an iBuyer without taking the balance sheet risk. So we've partnered with hundreds of local buyers and local markets to actually uh, make offers on properties that are submitted through that platform. Uh, and But more importantly, it helps with listing lead generation for agents so they can actually drive traffic to actually create listing leads for, you know, if one of the 30 leads goes to an iBuyer, that means they've got 29 leads to potentially, um, you know, fully market uh, as a listing. So, you know, so just looking at primarily at the moves that Zillow makes, I think they are um, the, the company that ultimately is going to make the, the big changes. We do have to pay attention to the real estate brokerage backdrop. Um, but because we're so uh, um, innovative in such a way that I think a lot of the franchise systems just can't match because their franchise systems were built in the 70s, 80s, 90s, pre-internet, and their franchise agreements don't allow them to pivot as, as much as they would like. Um, I think that, you know, we're, we're not focused as much there. We're more focused on, you know, what is Zillow doing? What is maybe what Redfin's doing, but, but Zillow would be sort of the, the, the main one. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's afraid of Zillow. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, your business model has been called a multi-level marketing by critics and um, because you're, you're built on agents recruiting other agents and getting paid handsomely for doing so. So obviously it's a creative revenue sharing model. That's a unique twist on the Keller model, which you had mentioned earlier. Um, they also say that if agents, all they do is spend time recruiting other agents, they don't spend time selling real estate. Clearly that's not the case, but what do you say to your critics about that? Yeah. Um, one, I mean, uh, innovation usually is always criticized by the incumbents. I mean, that's, you know, franchising, as a concept was, um, was fought uh, back in the day when, you know, the first franchises showed up because it was considered to be unethical for, you know, companies to bring in a proven business model and sell it to somebody to compete with, you know, the local mom and pa business. So, you know, innovation uh, tends to get criticized. And, and if you look at, um, we'll call it direct sales or multi-level marketing, system in, in as a as a business concept it's brought lots of products and services to market uh, you still have lots of companies that are doing extremely well using that type of model but what it does is it allows somebody who would like to be a business person to get the benefits of a business without again what i call the brain damage of actually building the business and so 
it simplifies the process, just like franchising originally simplified the process of starting a business, you know, uh, direct sales or multi-level marketing structures simplifies the business of just being in business. So it's really just solving a challenge for, for real estate professionals to effectively have an interest in a brokerage without, you know, having to spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it. And why do you think more brokerages don't do this? I mean, obviously Keller bases it on company profits, but um, you know, you really don't have a lot of the other brokerages with this type of program. Why do you think that is? Um, I think partially because, you know, there is a general um, uh, dislike of a, a network marketing or multi-level marketing um, model, especially if you've built a more traditional business. And, and, you know, I think that that's probably the big thing is, is just the, the backdrop of, well, first of all, I think the other piece is that uh, it doesn't work in a traditional model, you know, Keller obviously proved it up with profit share, but that fixed expense model with bricks and mortar makes it really tough for brokerages to offer something similar because it would effectively just increase their costs on top of their bricks and mortar expense. So you've got to eliminate something from your cost structure in order to do it. And I think we've kind of got it at perfect timing. You know, housing market was coming, was crashing. Technology had finally got to a point where high-speed internet was fairly ubiquitous. And, and so for, for us, I think we just, we got pretty lucky on just the timing of it, because I don't think we could have done this model, you know, six or seven years earlier. And, and of course now, um, you know, EXP has existed for 11 years. Um, you know, starting one now, you're gonna be playing catch up for quite a while. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. To hear the rest of the conversation, head over to the Real Trending Podcast, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.